Miles, our inbox has been just ablaze with correspondence all over the world saying, guys, you told us about the head coach, but where are we now in the season? People are confused. People don't know what's going on with the Seahawks. There's been literally zero broadcasting of these events. And so we wanted to bring the people, I believe, um, a special episode today just about free agency, kind of where we're at. We we have a full coaching staff, right? That That's taken care of. We got our head coach, our offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. We got, we got special teams. We got all of the guys underneath them. Uh, John and his team are at the draft right now, yet free agency is nigh upon us. Miles, how are you doing today? Tristan, it's great to be with you. It's true. Our inbox has been flooded. As listeners of the show know, we do not have any social media or an official email inbox, but messenger pigeons and all types of birds around the world have nonetheless been finding us and and demanding this episode. Um, feathers were flying everywhere, and I'm, I'm glad we can finally bring it to to the people today. Now, Thank you to our fans. Well, we, huge, yeah. And, and now, the one question I have for you, just as we get into it, um, March 11th, as I understand it, is the beginning of the, quote, legal tampering, tampering period for the NFL. What was the last thing that you would say you tampered with? I'm, I'm trying to think of something that I tamper with consistently or maybe yearly. Um, is tampering the same thing as futzing around with? That's my when, question. When I think of tampering, the first, honest to God, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, if I'm at home and my mom is making something in the kitchen and I'm like, Ooh, I want to add a little something to the the recipe. And she walks out of the room and then I throw a little extra salt in or something like wow. I would like that's tampering, right? I'm tampering with a product. So the I, tampering Listen, you're the English whiz of the show. Can you help me understand why the word tampering is appropriate as it concerns free agency? Do you have any idea at all? I received a four-year Bachelor of Arts degree in the English language, and uh, I'm really, I don't know if I've ever tampered with anything just because as the more we're talking about it, I'm less and less sure what, what tampering is. Um, we have some I, nails that are coming up in our hardwood floor, and I, okay. you, you purchased a steel nail to hammer that back in. That might not be tampering at all. I don't know what that is. So I, um, I'm, I'm chatting with a buddy of mine later today. He's a lawyer, and so maybe that's the next step. I'll ask a lawyer today what tampering means in his world, and and maybe between you and him, we can kind of come up with a consensus. I understand, is I suppose it's just a legal term, but I'm always curious how how from an English perspective we get to some of these legal terms. Like, like at some point someone had to say, what should we call that? And some dumbo decided to call talking with agents tampering, which just seems very weird to me. Yeah, we need that conversation to happen because again, we got March 11th. You know, we figuring out what tampering is is the first part, and then actually reaching some deals with some free agents. The rubber has to meet the road in the next few days, so I, I look forward to that update next time. <laughs> well, okay, we can we can digress and and kind of get into some get into some thoughts of the off season. How do you feel like it's going so far? You've had further time now to digest some of the the head coaching stuff. Just give me give me some of your thoughts going in so far. 
Well, it's been a few weeks, and NFL news is still happening, and I've, I've collected some very frivolous thoughts along the way that I wanted to briefly share with you before we get into, we're, we're going to kind of preview what the Seahawks, what we think they'll do, what, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, our, our beautiful opinions on that, but uh, some frivolous thoughts that I had in, over the last few weeks of, you know, th- these little interviews, these little press conferences, these these little cool drinks of water in the desert of the off season for us, aren't they? Um, my first thought is uh, new defensive coordinator, Aiden Durday. I want to apologize to Aiden. I, I'm 95% sure I was calling him Aiden last time. That's a very American reflex, I think, to say Aiden. It's Aiden. Take a little bit off it. Just Aiden Durday. Um, Born and raised in England, only lived in America for a few years since he's been coaching in the NFL, and I do have to say I was a little disappointed in members of the Seattle media market for being absolutely blown away by this guy's English accent. I think it really shows how Seahawks-centric the Seattle media market is because um, if Seattle... If the NBA was there or if the media followed the the storm in the WNBA or the Kraken in the NHL a little more closely, like a little, a small percentage of how they followed the Seahawks, you wouldn't quite be blown away by a guy with an English accent. I looked at the Kraken roster. They've got five Americans on the team. So we, we got <laughs> accents galore. Uh, so anyway, that's just my little note, like... Let, let's take a look. You know, we love the Seahawks. Of course, they're going to be the number one team in Seattle for all time. But, uh, you know, let, let's broaden it a little bit and, and not be too, too blown away by uh, somebody coming from another country, maybe speaking with a little bit of a different accent. Um, if you're in an NBA city or something, you, you can definitely handle it. You know, <laughs> that, was, that was my number one thought. Well, well cultured bunch there in the Seattle media. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was funny too hearing all of these people just kind of giddy about the idea that this guy has a, a slightly different voice. He likes West Ham. Can you believe it? <laughs> I, I really can't actually. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's not breaking news. Um, no, I, I I can agree more. I was laughing during the press conference. Um, I love your thought though. Like literally five Americans on the Kraken team. You don't, I, as you started this tirade, I kind of thought to myself like, yeah, like broaden yourself, you know, do some travel. And then you took it to another step. Like, don't even do any travel. Don't even leave the city. Just go to a Kraken game and you're gonna, you're gonna get a kaleidoscope of culture. Um, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, also you, you discussed in a previous episode that, uh, you know, Hey, we, we got to budget our life. Why do we got to be so concerned about budgeting our team, making sure we're staying under the salary cap and so forth. I, I felt a similarly, a similar point of liberation as a football fan, which I realized I, I don't want to rank or evaluate draft prospects at all. We're going to get into draft season a little bit, and I think there's really valuable things you can learn from the Seahawks about, like, do they trade up? Do they trade down? What positions do they go for? But in terms of, like, who the actual player is, I really you, – you, you're going to meet them in the fall. It's, it's a little bit of – it feels like you can kind of know them and evaluate them all in April, but you just can't really know who the guy is, I don't think, for good or for ill. Um, until the fall. So I have a lot of NFL podcasts I like listening to. I am just loving deleting a, a draft-centric episode. I see it come in. I'm, I'm not even going to listen to that. Free agency stuff, I, I really value a lot more. I just know who these guys are in the NFL. 
I think free agency matters a lot more for the next year than the draft. And so I'm a foot loose and fancy freak. Uh, Drake May, number one, number two, number 17. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Let's, let's uh, wait till September. I'm not going to know until then anyway. That's, that's one, that's, that's an, <laughs> what an expert opinion on my part. Um, I've just, I've felt liberated. Well, you know, it's funny. I always feel this way during draft season. <clears throat> I believe two weeks ago, I think maybe right after Christmas or something like that, Mel Kuyper came out with his first mock draft, right? And I think we're currently on like mock draft number three. And it like if you just take not even a step back, just a half a step back, you can see how preposterous and ludicrous this whole thing is. Like it's it's as if, I mean, it's actually maybe what's, somewhat wrong with ESPN in general and and our sports media in general. This idea of like, oh, this is slightly entertaining. Let's just let's drain this for all it's worth. You know, let's let's drain all of the blood out of this product possible so that we can make as much money as possible. It's silly. Like, I mean, and I I guess you could make the argument the whole thing is silly and this is all just entertainment. So if someone's entertained by reading eight different versions of a mock draft over eight weeks, like, okay, like, th- that's fine. But the idea that like it, it does not even begin to matter after like two days after the draft, all of those mock drafts, not only do they all basically look stupid because they're not accurate beyond like the top 10, but beyond that, it's like, who cares? Like, I mean, who, and then we're talking about draft picks that we have no idea if they're actually going to be any good once they get into the league. Like we could walk through a ton of draft picks that were highly, like massively hyped that are not in the league anymore. Guys that, I mean, maybe, you know, the greatest example in Seahawks history is Aaron Curry. God bless his soul. High draft pick that was, I mean, the dude didn't know how to play football. It was crazy. And he later on became our linebackers coach, which maybe is one of the problems. But I mean, he was, a, he was, I remember distinctly, quote, a can't miss draft pick. And he was a massive miss. He he was like all athleticism and no instinct whatsoever, with all due respect to Aaron. Um, and, and so it's like th- these mock drafts, it's it's just futility. It's silliness. And um, that w- what I prefer to do, and I think what we'll have fun doing, is talking through the philosophy and the needs of the team and thinking through the way you construct a roster and and then going from there. And I think you can learn a lot about a team and the way they approach the draft and, and construct a roster. But the idea of, of saying, hey, I want this guy from this school for this reason, not only is it silliness, but even if John Schneider was talking to us, he'd be like, yeah, man, I can't do that. Like, I can have my board and I can have my needs, but you don't know what the other 31 teams are going to do. So, yeah, I just, I, I, I think a lot of it is just the snake eating itself of, of media not knowing how to control, not knowing how to say no to more money, and which I, I imagine is a hard thing to do. But that's also why ESPN is failing massively right now in general. I'll make one exception for one prospect, and that is Alabama cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry. If we had Kool-Aid and Spoon on opposite sides, wow. That'd be wow. Something. Yeah. That'd be something. And yeah, I mean, it's on name alone. Have I looked at the tape? No, but I think we can agree. It would be, it would be exciting. 
Well, I mean, I, I think you remember when the Seahawks drafted Taco Wallace. What a big deal that was for for myself and, and Joe Sanchez <laughs> is that as well. A draft or is he undrafted? I don't. I don't remember. He was on the team. I remember we had a guy named Taco. That's what I remember. We, Taco Wallace was a Seahawk. That's right. Yes. That um, one. That what, what? Yes. Yes. He was. So, he was there. Yeah. So if we can get Kool Aid, I mean, yeah, more power to us. That'd be wonderful. The spoon that stirs the drink. You know. Oh man. That. Yeah. Oh, that writes um, itself. Last thing was just a couple days ago, the NFL Players Association report card came out. I was I was rethinking. Hey, I don't remember this being a thing before. This is only the second year they've done it. If you might remember last spring, this was the moment where the Cardinals got shamed for charging their players for meals in the facility. Um, so this, it's kind of like a this this report card was kind of like the players grading the the teams in terms of like just their workplace environment. So the big fallout from this year was that like the chiefs went from stools to chairs in their locker room and that was kind of like as much of an upgrade as they're giving the super bowl champions chiefs finished 31st overall in the grades commanders finished 32nd a lot of work for the new owners to do the dolphins and the vikings are way out uh on the top end in a tier of their own which i thought was interesting because the dolphins owner got into trouble with asking Brian Flores to tank a few years ago. So it's like he's an exemplary owner in this way in terms of facility and family relations and, and coaching staff. But then he had that issue just a few years ago. I was really surprised to see the Seahawks finish 14th, uh, middle of the pack. The The main complaints from the players were had having to do with the training facility, specifically like a, a lack of number of trainers available. And they didn't finish that great in terms of like family relations, um, kind of like childcare on game day, issues like that. It really surprised me because I've had this image of the Seahawks as being in the top tier of the league as far as like a team to work for. And hearing John Schneider do so many interviews, he keeps on mentioning being excited for players to see the – He's used the phrase "the horsepower in the building," like he or or coach or uh, maybe not players, but more like coaches that they were coming in and interviewing. He really wanted to see the horsepower in the building, and I, I thought it was interesting. I was like, "Well, there's a lot of teams out there with a lot more horsepower in the building." It, it kind of surprised me, and it, it made me wonder if when Paul Allen was still alive, and when John Schneider kind of moved in to the Seahawks from the Packers, if they actually were in the top tier at that point. Schneider's been with the Hawks for so many years, and I wonder if just a lot of teams have have passed them up. Um, yeah, I remember a press conference Draymond Jones gave at some point in the middle of this year, and he mentioned, like, yeah, it's really different here in Seattle. And he came from the Broncos. Broncos finished 16th in these rankings, Seahawks 14th. So I had this image the whole year of like, wow, Draymond Jones really was blown away coming from elsewhere. And it, it was interesting to see that, hey, there, there's some work to be done here. Uh, on the Hawks, which which is, yeah, I had this perception that they were up there with the the best teams who turn out to be the Vikings and Dolphins. So what's funny to me about something like this, like, I feel as though the survey is fundamentally flawed. Um, really? Well, because you're you're asking, you're asking me to grade my experience at my house. And then asking you to grade your experience at your house. And then based off of our grades, we're going to try to somehow correlate a difference from one to the other. 
that like it seems weird to me like so first of all i just i guess i question the way the data is being collected just from that perspective it's all very subjective as well i'll say my first gut reaction is my first gut reaction is it's kind of gross hearing like all of these dudes that are making this much money like complain about child care like at a game like like i like, disagree i disagree well so so i'll say that like First of all, you got to compete with who you who you're competing with, right? So, like you want I want the Seahawks to be number 1 on this on this list cuz I just want the players to have as much reason as possible to be happy. What this reminds me of um every uh, so I I got a new job last year and my wife and I went out to celebrate. Brittany and I went out to celebrate and we went to the nicest restaurant in town and had a great meal and really enjoyed it and really like was happy to be there. It was just the two of us and you had a nice bottle of wine and steak and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was a great night. And I really value that night that I had with my wife at this really nice restaurant. While I was there, the table next to us was like a family and like all the kids were there and they were all on their phones, like the entire family. And none of them were talking to each other. They, they didn't look happy at all. And what it looked like from the outside was like, it was just another Thursday night for them. Like it was just a very normal, like, yeah, this is where we're getting dinner tonight uh, on the Thursday night. Like it wasn't, they were in t-shirts. Like it was not a special occasion, Like clearly was not a special occasion. And it occurred to me when I saw that family, I was like, that's a bummer. Like it's a bummer that they are going to the nicest restaurant and it's become normal for them. Like this is just kind of blase. And, and and it's a bummer because like if you go out to the nicest restaurant all the time eventually like you're it's not going to feel special to you anymore it's just going to feel like another thursday night versus like if you only go to the nice restaurant on special occasions it feels special the the value or the 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 what the restaurant is bringing to you isn't changing but your perception of it's changing based off of based off of your expectations and how often you're there and and what you're doing. So like if if going to the nicest restaurant in town doesn't put a smile on your face and doesn't make you put on a nice shirt and and kind of get ready for a fun event, then it makes you wonder like so what what would it take for you to get like hey, this is a fancy night out. And I guess I I I think the same way about a a survey like this like it just kind of makes me wonder, like, from an entitlement perspective, like, come on, dudes, like, your life's pretty good, right? Like, this is all, this is pretty good. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe we need to add a couple more trainers or whatever, but um, I, I don't know. It just, it just seems, it seems a little nitpicky, I guess, is, is like my, my first thought. Now, that said, I want to be at the top of the list. I'm not saying I don't. But it seems a little nitpicky. I, I just wonder if a lot of these players don't know how good they have it. Like, are there players that have always been with the Seahawks? They've they've never st like certainly all of these players haven't stepped foot in every single other training facility, right? Like, it's well, not, not as though not everyone, but there's enough movement around, and you know, yeah, but they haven't been places. in all of them. Like, like let's say let's use Draymond Jones or another player as an example of someone who's been at three or four different training facilities, right? Like what's the max number? I've been on six or seven teams in the NFL in my career versus there's 32 teams. So, I mean, like I just the, 
it, to me, it seems really obvious that the data is flawed. Okay, they don't know what compared to what. Most of the grades for coaches were really positive. Uh, Josh McDaniels of the Raiders really stood out as like the one coach who got really negative grades. So the, I think the players aren't looking to complain. And then I think it is a lot of issues of like, if you're a member of the Cardinals and you were getting charged for your meals at the facility when you have to be there, it, it would be frustrating. You know, no, it's not the biggest deal in the world, but I think that's the, that's what the report card is trying to shine a light on is like, Hey, that would frustrate anybody. No, it's not the biggest deal in the world, but you would kind of be like, Hey, I just, um, you know, earned all this money by getting to the NFL. And now I got it. Now you've, They've created a system where they're kind of nickel and diming me or, sure. you know, the Chiefs not having chairs at their lockers. There's an issue with the Jaguars having rats in the weight room. Like, I think that's what like that. Yeah. That's what came out last year and they solved it this year. And I, I think that's the whole point is like, you know, you don't want rats in the weight room like like they do have it really good. And I, I think the child care issue is really similar to like the meals out of the out of the team facility. Like if you have a family. They should be there on game day and you're at work and I think your employer should help you out. It's not that big of a deal for the employer to help you. So I think that was more like what the report card was trying to to get at. Yeah. I love, no, how, I, this, I love how this is our big debate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't I don't disagree with you. Like I, I, I think again, I want to be number one on the card, and I do think it's helpful to shine light on things. But yeah, I, I guess if if this report card was written by an in, like independent people, right? So like if they sent a group of uh, analysts or whatever to visit all 32 teams, then I would feel much better about it. Then I'd be like, now we actually know where we stand, right? But it's just, it seems weird. It just seems awful subjective because again, there's 32. We're talking about 32 different weight rooms, right? I mean... There's not one player that has been in all 32 weight rooms. I think I would bet a million dollars on that. Like, that's yeah, impossible. Yeah, but probably within any team at any point, there's guys who've been to at least 20 to 25, you know, so you can kind I of guess, compare notes. I guess you're right in that, like, from their life experience. So maybe that's the way I should think of it. Like, how this compared to my college weight room and how it compared to... How how does it compare to the weight room that I use in the off season? Yeah, so maybe so that that I can understand. And again, I want to win. I let always compete. I'm I'm with Pete. Let's always. Oh, compete. hey, let, let's get a little child care room going. Hire some more students over from UW in the kinesiology de- department. Seems, we're, it, we're good to go. Good those to go. things do seem like a super easy fix. Like yeah, like, yeah. That's hire, all. hire one more trainer that's making like 80k a year. Like that seems like for their budgets, that seems pretty easy. And, and uh, yeah, hire, hire two more people to work once a week in the childcare room. And that it does, it does seem, it does seem easy, but yeah, anyway, it, it is fine. This will be our biggest disagreement of the day. Of, uh, <laughs> of all time, actually. Uh, now that we've, uh, we've spent an appropriate amount of time on the frivolous thoughts, we do have actual, some real thoughts on free agency and here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, you had a, you had a real thought about the identity of the team. Yeah, so I mean, you know, just uh, as I think about about how you want to think about about free agency and I guess the draft as well. What I'm looking for, what I'm curious about, I should say, is how this team wants to invest around their core identity, right? So 
I, I, you learn a lot about someone in how they spend their money, or, or I should just say how they spend their resources, right? You, your time, your money, your whatever. You learn a ton about an individual based off of how they allocate resource. Um, and I think that a, a point of contention over the last couple of years has been, I, I, and we've already talked about this, you say you want to be a great running team and you say you want to stop the run. And yet we're not quite seeing the resources in there. Mike Salk has a really good point about this when he talks about last year's number two picks in the first round, right? Both skill corner positions, a cornerback and a wide receiver were your, your two first round picks. Two picks that we both love, right? I mean, we have gushed on this podcast about JSN and about Spoon. Spoon is one of my favorite players so far to watch. Like, I, I absolutely love watching him play. I'm glad both of those guys are on the team, but they both do speak to like a very interesting thing that we're taught constantly. Like, the identity of the, the thing that we've heard from the coaches over and over again is we want to stop the run. We want to run the football, right? Which we know you do that in the trenches. We've never heard like from Pete or John Schneider ever like, hey, what's the idea of your team? We want to take the top off the defense by throwing it a lot down the yard and we want to be able to cover down the field really well. Like, yes, we do want to do those things, but the, the, those are never the top two things that they mention. And so when I think about free agency, when I think about what we're trying to do, like it should be about conforming to an identity and having conviction about that identity. And so um, and if that means, hey, we want to you know, do this things very specifically well, then more power to you and use the example. If you say, hey, the, the core philosophy of this offense is we want to tear the roof off of every defense, we want to have the the wide receivers that are the hardest to deal with in the league because that's how we want to pressure a defense then you should build a team very specifically to do that on the other hand if you are saying we want to run the football and we intrinsically believe a part of that is also stopping the run if that's what we think is if that's our philosophy then let's invest in that so i'm curious to see with this new regime on a coach from a coaching perspective how they push that investment and if we see an adjustment with John Schneider um, around that as well. So so that's what I'm most interested in is is identity and philosophy being correlated with um, with actual like, you know, what you do, what you actually do in free agency. That's a really interesting thought. I So we mentioned last time that I was initially upset with the hire of Ryan Grubb. But then I, I said, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna accept this man on the team. I think it's a good practice as a fan to support the people on your team, you know, all, all other things being equal. And look, I got some great news. I, I faked it until I made it. Since, since the last time listening uh, listening to all these press conferences with the coaches, I think I, I think I've figured out what Mike McDonald and John Schneider wanted from their team and coaching staff, which I think is a little a little bit different than – than what Pete Carroll would say with a lot of Pete's emphasis on running the ball. I think the theme with all these coaches is, is flexibility or a scheme of no scheme. I think there's been a lot of people trying to figure out with Ryan Grubb's various different coaching stops, like, ah, he was not running very much at UW, but he was running a lot at Sioux Falls in 06. And it's, it's, it hasn't quite like we do see a run guy or a pass guy. But I think the reason he got hired is because he's neither because he's not 
going to try to fit any square pegs into round holes. He's going to wait until he sees his team, sees the skill set of his team, and adapt from there. And I think it's a really good fit with where the Seahawks are. Unlike a lot of new coaching staffs, some new coaching staffs will come into a team, it's decimated with talent, there's cap issues, and you have to start from scratch, basically. That's not the Seahawks. They were on the door of the playoffs. They have a lot of skilled young players. It's a very rare moment for a new coaching staff to come in. So I think it's very wise to for for the coaches to be hired. They're not looking to like box out any of these star young players because they don't fit the scheme. I think there's a lot of flexibility of mind is like the unifying trait among all the coaches. So that's what that that's how I think it's gonna. I think I think there's just a lot of flexibility and nothing's really set in stone, which I think isn't the best fit for every team in every situation, but I think, I think that's how it should go for the Hawks in 2024. Yeah. I've been encouraged. That flexibility is a really interesting point to bring up because if, if what you're saying is true and I think it, I think it is because I've heard the same message from Mike McDaniels, McDonald. I did it again, man. Old McDonald had a farm. I have to really sing that in my head before I said had a team. Yeah. And he, E-I-D-I-O. Yeah. Um, so what we see from Mike, I think you're right, is really preaching that flexibility and 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 preaching kind of that, you know, positionless player and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, how that plays out, how that philosophy plays out in free agency will be really interesting to see. And and how John adapts to what Mike is trying to do. Um, I'm also... The thing I'm, this is so dorky, but the thing I'm most interested in for not so much free agency, but the draft, will John draft a quarterback at some point? Because that was such a a key message of his when he came on board, like, hey, in Green Bay, we always drafted a quarterback like every single year. And he he addressed it the other day and he's like, yeah, it just never worked out. It's like, I, I don't believe that. I like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Like if you told me, Hey, in the 2023 draft, it just didn't work out. Okay. And then if you told me in the 2019 draft, it just didn't work out. Okay. It's impossible that it just didn't work out for 14 years. Like, it's just impossible that like a core tenet of like, we should always draft a quarterback because you might get a lottery ticket and it's just best practices. Let's get one guy every draft. The idea that like, it just didn't work out. Ah, shucks for 14 years. With all due respect to John, and I I know, I think he's, I I just don't, I don't believe what he's selling me in that, in that he's that, he's too smart of a guy to like have, like, that's not a strategy or a philosophy. It just didn't work out. Oh, like something else was going on. I think it might have just been hard for him to do that. So I really want to see if they draft a quarterback. Sorry, this is not the draft episode, but. That's when that's a philosophy thing that I I'm curious to see if we get back with John now. Um, the idea of like, yeah, every year we're going to get one of these guys because this is what my mentor taught me was important. I was puzzled that he he mentioned that because most of the time, I feel like we forgot most of the time the Seahawks had an MVP, a, a quarterback with an MVP ceiling who was an every game starter on the team for a decade. That that's a very rare moment in NFL history. So there was no need to draft a quarterback so I was a little puzzled why he wanted to when it was one of the most locked in positions in the NFL for for most of John's tenure with a man named Russell Wilson you might have heard of him 
Yeah, so that and it does go back to the core philosophy. So it's like a Ted Thompson Green Bay thing. All those years with Brett Favre, all those years with Aaron Rodgers, like it was that was a core philosophy of like we're going to keep drafting quarterbacks and like and not highly drafted. Like all I'm talking about is we got this guy in the fifth round. We got this guy in the sixth yeah, round. Yeah. Like like nothing crazy. Just like oh yeah, let's like hey, I kind of like the way this guy looks. Let's give him a shot. And you know it's not going to work out. But I think the idea is like. Even if you want to keep your quarterback, if you end up with the lottery ticket in the NFL of like, oh, we really like this kid, you can do what we saw the Patriots do multiple times, right? Hey, anybody want to my backup quarterback though? I like a lot. And you know that like there's a value. They were able to flip those for other draft picks. Um, we've had a lot of great philosophy chat today. What do you think about next time saving our discussion for some individual targets so it's our wish list for what the Seahawks do uh and some individual players we want to to see stay with the team or leave the team or arrive save that for next time what do you think sure yeah we can we can absolutely do that I'll just give you one today I think the go. most important guy that we get is we we got to bring big cat back we have to have Leonard Williams um you gave up a second round pick for him right he's a great looking dude I like him good personality I got to have big cat. So that's, that's all we can, we can leave the rest for the rest, but that that's the one that I, I have in my head. I I really appreciate that. And I see the wisdom behind it and I feel bad for Leonard Williams because he was rated a top hundred player very recently, uh, which I don't disagree with, but I think I, I think Seattle might be the wrong time and the wrong place for a man of, of his skill set and his price tag. So I'm sure we'll um it's gonna be hard. We'll we'll kind of recap the childcare thing and then and then get into Leonard Williams next time. Next time we'll spend 30 minutes on childcare and and just kind of how to navigate that um in with an NFL roster. And then um once we do that, we'll also talk about um specific carbo- carbohydrate ratios with the cafeteria. Um that's a passion of both of ours. Um, are the guys getting the right kinds of carbs? Uh, that's, that will be probably two hours. And then I think we can spend about 10 minutes next time talking about free agency, um, is what I imagine will happen. Well, we're going to probably get into some oyster talk. Are oysters available in Renton at, at the VMAC? You know, it's an oyster rich region, which we, is, is both a passion of ours. Yep. A lot of nutrients there. So I, I think free agency will take about two or three minutes next time. Personally. Yeah, that's, that seems, that seems about right. Um, if you're listening to this folks somewhere, somewhere in the world, I hope you're chuckling with us. We know that we're two goofballs having a good time here. Um, and, uh, and that maybe we have a bit of an eccentric conversation, but for goodness sakes, I'm, I'm having fun with it. So, you know, I hope you are too. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to receiving those birds, uh, flying in with, with more messages, but, but do know that that free agency discussion is, is on the way. Very and I think good. it's more important than the draft for the Seahawks this year. The, the free agency is more about 2024. The draft is more about 2025, 2026 and, and so on. You know, um, I'll, I'll leave you one last thought. There's 18. We have 18 unrestricted free agents um, on the list that you sent me. And I, when I first saw that number, I was like, man, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of people leaving. And then I just decided to click around to like other teams. All the other teams I clicked on were either like 20 or 22 or 24. So I, I don't know 
you know, big picture, all 32 teams were 18 ranks as far as how many, you know, free agents are leaving. But it's crazy to think about teams that's like 24 dudes that like you got to make a decision. You can't bring all 24 back. You're you're going to have to let a lot of those dudes walk. I can't imagine how hard this job is. Like, I mean, the I have such a hard time choosing what I'm going to get when I go to the grocery store. The idea of these guys having to be like, how do you pick between Leonard Williams and Jordan Brooks and, you know, uh, uh, Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant? I mean, like, these are really freaking hard things to do. You only got so much money to spend. It's true. It would be a crazy amount of decisions and 18, 18 guys, you got to make a decision on all of them. 53 men on your roster, you, you got to make decisions on all of them. It made me think of something, you know, these guys are packing up and moving. I don't know if anybody's ever thought of this before, but NFL should stand for not for long. That's you heard it here first, folks. That's you heard right. it here first. It's a new one. <laughs> no one's ever thought of it. All right. Hey, um, let's wrap today. We'll hit another free agency. Maybe next week. Maybe maybe we uh, we make a little commitment to the audience. We do a we do one next week, and we we finish the free agency talk because we got more to talk about. And we we figure out what tampering is. If we if it's good to tamper, if it's bad to tamper, if we're always tampering, if we're never tampering. I'll report on what the lawyer said today next week. So we will call this one free agency part one. We might call it uh, um, child care and free agency might be the name of this episode. Next episode, free agency part two. And we'll we'll get into those 18 Seahawks that maybe will be flying away. Oh. Wow. In free agency. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't even get paid for this, folks. This is just natural, God-given talent. All right. Talk to you later.